0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Solo Show, starring me, Pete Werner. And uh, I know these are kind of coming up randomly, and that's because I'm not really... I really haven't wrapped my head around what I want to do with this. I I know I want to keep doing them, but I don't know, like, exactly what I want to do with them yet. So, every so often, I'm just going to sit in the studio, and I'm going to... I'm going to sit down and do one and see how it goes. And eventually I'll figure something out. But, you know, right now I'm talking about some news stories and things that we don't cover on the Tuesday show and doing some emails and voicemails and just kind of letting it letting it go that way. And people seem to be enjoying it. And that's great. So I hope you are having a good day or evening, depending on when you're listening to this uh, it is ten thirty PM on Sunday, October 11th, when I am recording this, this, uh, should go up sometime this week. I don't know exactly when I haven't really talked to Craig about it yet. So, um, yeah, yeah. So Sunday night all alone here in the studio and, you know, let me just say it, it really is kind of cool that I get to. I get to just like come in here whenever I want and I can sit down and do this. It is it's it is it is truly such a gift and a blessing that I have all this equipment here. And it's funny because I have this amazing studio with lights and cameras and re, like state-of-the-art recording equipment. And I'm recording this on this little Tascam pocket recorder that I think cost me maybe 200 bucks. And, uh, using a regular microphone and uh, in one input and my iPhone in the other. And I kind of like doing it like this because eventually, hopefully, uh, you know, from wherever I am, I can just have this little portable studio with me. The audio quality is great on this thing. And, you know, from wherever I am, I can just do one of these. And, you know, it's, it's like I said, it's funny. I, I, I'm drawn to doing this. I'm drawn to doing these solo shows. There's something about it that I don't know. It it just, it feels good. It feels right. It feels like it's what I should be doing. And I'm not entirely sure what, sure why, but I have learned over the course of 18 years that I have been working with the site and almost a little over nine years now with the show, that when I get that feeling, that intuition, you really need to do this. And I don't know why I've got to follow it. And that has paid off for me. It was the intuition I had when I started, when I came up with the idea for dreams Unlimited travel. You know, I, I, I don't know if I've ever told the story on the show or not, but And I hope this isn't too much information for people. It probably is. But the whole concept for Dreams Unlimited came while I was in the bathroom. It was early 1999. And I used to take a pad and paper into the bathroom with me. And I would just like jot down ideas for things I wanted to do with the site. I wish I had saved the paper. Because... I outlined like the bullet points of what I thought Dreams Unlimited should be. And I then, you know, in those days, I had in the house that John and I shared, uh, there was an office in the center of the house, had a great view overlooking our pool and the little retention pond that, you know, passes for lakes in Florida. And so I had this great view to look out, look out over and um, John always had, always had his office in the bedroom. He had a desk and his computer set up in the bedroom. And I remember kind of fleshing out this idea and then going into the bedroom and saying, okay, what do you think of this? And, you know, to his credit, John, John never once discouraged an idea that I had. I mean, we would joke around that, you know, you know, Lucy had another harebrained scheme. But you know, he never discouraged any idea that I had. He would just go along and and not in a like, oh well, I'm just gonna humor him sort of way. I mean, he he was right there. He was right there behind me, he was right there supporting the idea. And it took from January of 99, when I kind of fleshed out the concept, to November 15th, 99, when we actually opened up our doors, quote unquote, our virtual doors. And, you know, the entire time there were people in my life, not John, but other people in my life that weren't, weren't trying to be discouraging, but were saying, okay, well, what do you know about? a travel agency. What do you know about being a travel agent? And I said, nothing, but I know about traveling to Disney world. And I thought, you know, creating, there were all these people. Well, what I thought were all these people in those days coming to the site. And I would, you know, I'm saying they're all planning trips to Disney and they all have the same complaints and the same concerns and the same questions. So why not just try and build a service around that? And I had no experience. I want everybody to know I'm a high school dropout. I dropped out of high school in the 11th grade. I got my equivalency diploma about a year later. Never went to college. Um, everything I've learned to do, I've taught myself. And that includes podcasting and web design and development and creating a travel agency. So I had no education to go on. I had no reason to think I, can, I could do this, but there was this intuition, this something that told me you gotta do this. You gotta do this. Same thing with um, moving to Florida. It was the same thing that John got the job down here and I wasn't sure if I wanted to move. I had a good job going with UPS. I was on the fast track with my career there. And that's a really good place. It's a really good company, especially in those days. This was before they went public. It was a really good place to to build a career. So giving that up and taking a chance, moving to Florida, you know, who would But something told me it was the right thing to do. And I didn't know why. And I don't know why I'm mentioning this other than I think a lot of us probably don't follow our intuition. We don't. Our head kicks in. And we tell ourselves, oh, that's crazy. Or, you know, we listen to the voices of dissent, both our own and those of people who love us and are well-meaning and want what's best for us. But I'll tell you every wonderful thing that has happened to me in my life Mm -hmm. has happened when I have had that spark of intuition, something I just knew, but didn't know why. And I followed it. And I don't want to say that me doing a solo show is going to be on the realm uh, in the realm of or on the level of starting a company like dreams or starting this podcast. But I don't know. That's the thing about intuition and following it. You don't know. You take a chance. When I started the podcast, you know, Bob had been, been on me for ages about, Doing something, and I said, "You know what? When there's an original idea, when I have an original idea, I'll do it." And you know, I've talked often about the the process by which we eventually got to our format, the roundtable format, which is I had hired two radio professionals, scripted out a show, had them record it, and they were the best. I mean. Uh, Nancy Quill and uh, Gordon Adams were 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 just, I mean, incredible professionals and so wonderful to work with. And I felt bad. I felt bad that the format was such a failure. It wasn't a failure because they weren't any good. It was a fa- failure because I didn't know what I was doing. I wanted it to be different. I didn't want it to be what everybody else was was doing. And so I went the route of polish and professionals and throwing money at it and sometimes that's a good thing to do but sometimes sometimes just being authentic just being yourself is the right way to go and I'll tell you it's it's a risk it's a risk to put yourself out there and not be doing shtick and not be shoveling a lot of pixie dust and bs and just be yourself and put yourself out there and then you know, look, I don't care who you are. I don't care how well adjusted you are. Everybody's sensitive to criticism. And, you know, this stuff's on the internet. And it's like the internet is where emotionally unstable people go to live. So, but you take that risk. And then what happens, you know? We, we went for two months, I think it was with the original format with Nancy and Gordon and they went on vacation and I decided to, you know, try a, another, you know, another format and people really responded to it. And I had the unpleasant task of having to tell Nancy and Gordon, we weren't going to continue with them. And, and of course they were, they were wonderful about it and they're just great people. And, and if you ever, if you're, I, I, I think Nancy's still on the air in Boston. But uh, yeah, she was a a, a more uh, I, I believe she was morning drive time morning on on a radio station, a major radio station in Boston. So they, like I said, these weren't like you know just people that were picked off the street. These were real hard, you know, true radio professionals, and that's not what people wanted, you know, not in this form, not not for this. They wanted authentic. But I always remember saying. And I still stand by it. Whatever is next for my company is going to come through this show. And so much wonderful has come out of it. And again, it's about following that intuition and saying, you know what? There's something here. I just don't know what it is. So let's go for it. Take a risk. One of the expressions I love to use is throw pasta against the wall. See what sticks. One way to tell if pasta done, you throw it against the wall. If it sticks, it's done. That's my soliloquy on, uh, following intuition. So one of the things I have tasked our newest team member slash intern, uh, Steve Porter to do is to come up with some ideas of things I can talk about on the solar show. Um, mainly cause I'm lazy, but, uh, also because I want to give him some stuff to do, get him more involved and what we do here, he's a really, he's a really cool kid. And uh, I love his that we have his uh, nickname set as Junior. But uh, one of the things he picked, one of the stories he picked out was that uh, Disney's stock price took a little, a little tumble earlier in September. Because on an earnings call, Bob Iger as it was reported, uttered something that Wall Street had hoped it would not hear. That the cord cutting phenomenon is real and Disney may start feeling the effects. So let's talk about about cord cutting. And for those who don't know what I'm talking about, this is what is starting to happen now that more content, more entertainment content is available online like Netflix, Hulu, Amazon Prime, uh, even CBS, All Access. Uh, A lot of media companies are now making their content available a la carte. And with the price of cable subscriptions going ever higher all the time, People more and more are starting to cut the cord, the cable cord, and just pay for the stuff that they want to consume. And from my standpoint, this looks a lot like what happened, oh, I don't know, 10, 12 years ago with the recording industry. Anybody remember how the recording industry was dropping crab cakes in their shorts because of iTunes. Anybody remember the last time they bought a CD? We download our music. Now the industry fought against that. And I see the, 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 the the television industry, the media, the, 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 broadcast media industry doing the same thing. Uh, the information that we're, that I'm looking at here is from a website called the Motley fool. And uh, they're an investor website and, you know, how good they are, how respected they are. I'm really not sure. I don't follow investor websites. I'm not an investor, quote unquote. But uh, what Disney did after, you know, Wall Street, you know, pulled a nutty after Bob Iger said this. Disney said, okay, we've got to show we've got to show the investors that. We're confident and comfortable in our stock. So they bought $2.4 billion of their own stock back to say, we know it's a good investment. And the motley fool agrees that it is a good investment. That, you know, yeah, the landscape's changing, but ESPN alone right now is a pretty good property for Disney, even though it's seeing some of its subscribers fall off. Uh, ESPN's pretty strong. And they point out that the media networks division of Disney made up 46% of its annual revenue last year and 57% of its income. And they also, they also point out that we're not seeing a mass exodus at this point of cord cutters. And I think it's important to say at this point. It, the, the article references that Nielsen, the television rating people, have said that uh, seven. There's been a 7.2 percent loss in subscribers, cable subscribers, over the last four years. Uh, Disney executives are saying that those numbers are overstated, um, and even if those numbers are on target, that's a rate of about 1.8 percent per year that cable companies are losing, which is not. Uh, this is not reason for anybody to panic or investors to panic. See. But again, I don't know if they're being students of history. These things, cord cutting is a relatively new phenomenon. It was only in April that HBO spun off its broadcast service available on an a la carte basis, HBO Go. That's a big deal, that they're all starting to do this. Because there were a lot of people that paid for cable just to get HBO. I mean, the programming, the quality of the programming on HBO is second to none. Just take a look at every award show, the Emmys, the Golden Globes. It's HBO, 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 and with good reason. There's some great stuff, but The Motley Fool also points to one other big thing that investors need to remember, and they title it The Force is Awakening, that Disney's earning potential from the Star Wars franchise is, exor- is, is, is exorbitant. I mean, they really stand a chance of making an enormous amount of money, but it also underscores just how every article I'm reading lately is talking about the pressure on Disney for Star Wars to deliver. <laughs> it is going to be an unmitigated disaster if Star Wars fails I don't think it's going to. I can't imagine it's going to. But I was just reading something in the New York Times that Star Wars Battlefront, the video game that is coming out in November, on November 17th, which looks amazing. Disney has spent $180 million developing this game. They stand to make back at least $500 million on the investment. It's 180 million in development and marketing. There is so much riding on star Wars. There is so much riding. If this movie comes out and it is not, let me put it to you this way. If we have a tomorrowland moment and I love tomorrowland, but the critics didn't. And generally audiences didn't. If we have a tomorrowland uh, moment with these, these, any, this upcoming star Wars film, I, 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 it's going to be an apocalypse in Burbank. It's going to be an absolute apocalypse. The amount of pressure on this company now. And you know, so far, it seems like they're doing a really good job of managing expectations, rolling things out in a very calculated way. But just the utterance of cord cutting sent Disney's stock prices into a tailspin. They've come back somewhat. But it's going to be interesting. It's really going to be interesting to see what happens. With the cord cutting, with Star Wars, so much is riding on this stuff. So if you're an investor in Disney, Motley Fool says keep your money there. And so do I, actually. I, they're so well run. They're so well managed right now. It's just, from a business perspective, they are just firing on all cylinders. Now what happens when Iger leaves... And Staggs takes over, who knows? I feel good about it. I feel good about Staggs, but remains to be seen. remains to be seen. One of the other issues that seems to be coming up on the boards a lot that Steve uh, pointed out to me, which I thought is interesting, is regarding service dogs, that a lot more of them are showing up in the parks, and some people on the boards Um, are being a little critical, surprise, surprise, believing that guests were trying to sneak their non-service dogs in as real service dogs. And I'm sure that will be, is a hot topic. Um, So before we get into the discussion, I went ahead and took a look at what the, uh, the ADA requirements are regarding service animals. And, of course, the ADA is the Americans with Disabilities Act. And as of, it says, as of March 15, 2011, only dogs are recognized as service uh, service animals. And a service animal is a dog that is individually trained to do work or perform tasks for a person with a disability. And the the, the law specifies, you know, various things with that but the important part is that you are not allowed to ask someone what your disability is under no circumstances is that allowed under the ada one of the rules states when it is not obvious what service an animal provides only limited inquiries are allowed staff may ask two questions one is the dog a service animal required because of a disability and two What work or task has the dog been trained to perform? Staff cannot ask about the person's disability, require medical documentation, require a special identification card or training documentation for the dog, or ask that the dog demonstrate its ability to perform the work or task. Service dogs are very important for any number of disabilities. One of them, obviously, uh, seeing-eye dogs for people uh, who have uh, vision, uh, vision issues. But also, um, service dogs are used for epileptics. They can sense when, they are trained to sense when a seizure is coming on, which is really amazing when you think about it. And they can alert the person. Um, and there are many, many, many uh, areas where service dogs... Are utilized. Is it possible people, you know, are bringing non service dogs into the parks because, well, for whatever reason, sure it is. The things I've seen pass as service dogs, you know, chihuahuas are adorable. They're not service animals. <laughs> and the number of times I've seen that on planes, you know, this obviously rich woman carrying a poodle that has a, uh, a coat on that says service animal. And because people, you know, because the airlines are not allowed to ask, you know, for proof that this is a service animal or proof that there's a disability. They're very limited. They can only ask these two questions. And if the person has an answer for those questions, they've got to allow it. Uh, I think that may need to be tightened up personally. I think maybe there should be some kind of certification for service animals because I think it is starting to get abused. And now we're going into the realm of comfort animals. You know, I'll be honest. I, I, my intention is to have Abigail trained as, as a service dog, not because I need, you know, I need a service dog. I want her to be, uh, I want her to be trained to be able to take her into hospitals and nursing homes and facilities and things like that. And the kind of training that these service animals get really make them well suited for those things. You know, I don't think I'm going to bring her into the parks. Well, that'd be kind of cool though. I mean, really, but probably not a good idea because what happens, and we saw this with the guest assistance cards for, uh, guests with, with uh, disabilities, that they get abused. It gets abused, and then Disney has to find ways around the law. They can't ask people what the disability is, so they take away a lot of the perks. They take away... Perks is a bad word. They take away a lot of the things that, you know, people who are dealing with genuine disabilities really kind of came to expect. But lost as a result of people doing stupid crap, like hiring handicapped people as tour guides so that they could get to the front of the line and nonsense like that. But I'm interested to know what your take is on service animals in the park. Again, you know, it also kind of comes back to, it kind of comes back to, uh, Another issue, a similar issue of, uh, you know, people in ECVs and the argument of, oh, they're not really handicapped, they're just lazy. Because not all handicaps are obvious. If you're a soldier returning from active duty and you need a service animal animal because you're suffering from post-traumatic stress disorder, you're not going to see that as just a, a casual observer you're not going to see that that person's dealing with PTSD. If you're an epileptic and you have a service dog to help spot seizures, well, you're not going to see that passing somebody in a park. And the inclination of people, the inclination of people to assume the worst, when they see someone that otherwise looks healthy in an ECV or otherwise looks healthy and fine, with the service dog. Oh, they just wanted to bring their dog with them to Disney World. Okay. Well, maybe there are some people out there like that, but I think the vast majority of people aren't. Do you bring your dog to Disney World? Do you and and try and pass it off as a service animal? Well, I don't think a lot of people do. I'm sure there are some. But is it a big enough issue to get upset about? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe maybe it's a bigger problem that, than I realize. I don't know. But I don't really see an awful lot of it when I'm in the parks. But then again, I'm not looking for it either. So I don't know. But I'd like to hear what you have to say. Podcast at www.info.com. Tell us what you think. Or go to disunplug.com, fill out the contact form, leave me a voicemail. Or fill out the form there, which sends an email to the team. And maybe I'll Revisit this on another solo show. The other issue that has people talking that rumors were swirling around about last month about chanting in the parks. If you've ever been in the parks at the same time as a Brazilian tour group or virtually any tour group, like cheerleaders, things like that, you know what kind of chanting we're talking about. They're in line waiting for Splash Mountain and they're passing the time by chanting, I don't know, whatever they chant, incantations or whatever. There's conflicting, there has been some conflicting information floating around that Disney has banned chanting in in their parks. One website was claiming that, another website was saying, no, they're not banning it, they're just act—they're asking cast members to actively discourage it, which, you know, I don't know. I can kind of see both sides, but these cast members don't have enough crap to deal with. That now they have to go confront, you know, 50 cheerleaders and say, stop doing that. I get that it's annoying because it annoys the hell out of me. I'm like, you know, you want to do a group slap when this chant? Because it's like, gosh, shut up. I can't hear myself think here. Try trying to talk to the person next to me. I get 50 people screaming God knows what behind me. So I get that. But at the same time, you know, I'm looking at these groups. They're usually young kids that are in Disney World having a good time and they're not being destructive it's not like they're rampaging it's not i'm not you know it's not like we're talking about cutting to the front of the line or being abusive to other guests or anything they're just having fun so i can't imagine disney actually banning this practice any more than i could imagine them banning smoking in the parks because say goodbye to europe if they ban smoking in the parks Europe just won't come anymore. Neither, for that matter. Neither will South America and probably most of Alabama. Kidding. I'm kidding. Don't I'm joking around. I'm a smoker. I don't know what I would do if they did that. I really don't. I don't know what I do. I don't know. I think, I think it would probably get me to quit smoking. And before you start sending me oh, you got to quit smoking. I know, I know, I know. You know what? I've kicked everything else. And not for nothing. I've lost, what am I up to? 45 pounds since uh, since May. So you know what? I'm taking care of business. I'm doing it my own time. But yeah, 45 pounds, people. Is that right? Yeah, because I, yeah, it is. 46, 46, I'm sorry. Got on the scale this morning. I was 188. And God bless my mother. God bless the woman. But she drives me crazy. Everybody else is like, Wow, you look great. You look fantastic. Uh, You know, wow, I can't get over how good you look. Oh, it took 10 years off you, which is great. You know, who doesn't love hearing that? And then I've got my mother. Oh, you're too thin. Of course, at 240 pounds, you're too fat. And it's like, oh, there's no, I can't win. I can't win. Woman, I lost 46 pounds. I'm a diabetic for crying out loud. I have a back condition. This is great. This is exactly what I need to do. 188 pounds is not emaciated. For my height, my age, and my body type, I'm supposed to be 185. That is my ideal weight. I am 188 pounds this morning. I got on the scale. I had to do it twice. You ever have that where you're, you know, You're in a period in your life where you're losing weight. and You get on the scale and you see a number you don't believe. So you move the scale to a a different part of the room because maybe it was the floor. Even though it's the same place and same floor you've been weighing yourself on for, you know, however long. And that's exactly what I did uh, because it's in my bathroom. The scale's in my bathroom. And so I'm like, oh, no, no, no. So I drag it into the bedroom and I put it down. I'm like, oh, my God. Then I got off of it, turned it off, turned it back on, got on it again. Um, so I was really excited about that. And of course, yeah, Mary Sunshine down the street. You're too thin. But yeah, she's my mother. She's supposed to worry about me. So, and I love her, and you know. But yeah, next time you see her, I want you to call her that, little Mary Sunshine. She'll love that. She watches the Tuesday show. She does not listen to the to these shows. So I'll talk about her here. Just you and I. I'll tell you all, all, the, all the stuff about her. And then when you see her, and if you're, if you're coming to Dizzlepalooza in December, say, oh hi, Ma- hi, little Mary Sunshine. I love messing with her. So back to chanting. Um, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> tell me what you think. Podcast at www.info.com. All right. Let's, uh, let's take a few emails maybe a few voicemails start with an email coming to us from Jorge in Naples. Hello. First, I want to say that I really love your shows and I look forward to seeing them every week. Uh, the reason for the email is that last week, October 2nd, 2015, you guys did the new audio only show history of Walt Disney world. And I have a friend who is deaf from both ears and can enjoy the show with the rest of us. Because with the video shows, she puts on the captions so she can read what you guys are saying. Um, Do you guys know if you would ever do a video show of this? Thanks. Uh, Love you guys. Keep up the good work. Uh, First of all, I wasn't aware that uh, YouTube did closed captioning. But uh, because of this email, um, I've asked Craig to go ahead and do uh, what we do with these solo shows, which is... We put the audio files up on YouTube as well, just as regular audio files, but so people on YouTube can listen instead of watch. So, so Jorge, yes, we are. I've asked Craig to go ahead and start putting up uh, the connecting with Walt series on our YouTube channel, which is youtube.com slash WDW info. So you will find them there. Probably by the time this show goes live. So thanks for sending that in. Kyle in California. I currently have a premier passport for my upcoming trip to Orlando. I purchased the memory maker package with regards to the recent ticketing change, free, uh, uh, free photo pass with your annual pass. Should I cancel my memory maker package, memory maker package, or does my existing passport not include that? If you have an existing annual pass, not one of the new ones, then no, it does not include that. When you renew next year or whenever your renewal comes up, you'll then be renewing into one of the new passports, which will include it. But no, your existing passport does not include Memory Maker. And the only reason I know that is because I received a form letter from Disney the other day telling me that you know my nothing about my past changes and that when i renew then i'll have the benefits of memory maker and all that other good stuff so all right let's take a voicemail from dora Hello, everyone at Diz Unplugged. Um, This is Dora here. My Twitter handle is at WDW Single Mom. And I'm not normally willing to leave feedback, but I just wanted to say that I've been painting my daughter's bedroom this morning and have had you guys playing in the background. Um, And it's just so lovely. It's like being in the room with a group of old friends. So I just wanted to send out a big thank you. I have four trips under my belt over the past year as a single mom, and I found everything I've learned from your podcasts to be so incredibly helpful in making all of those seem As possible, so keep up the great work, guys. And I'm going to go back to listening to you just now. All right, thank you. Bye bye. Oh, that's very nice, Dora. Thank you. I uh, I love playing voicemails and reading emails that just extol how wonderful we are because well we are, and uh, good on you painting your daughter's bedroom. When you're done, you can come paint mine because I'm getting ready. I'm getting ready to completely redo my My bedroom and uh, needs it. And my mother, bless her heart, has been coveting my bedroom furniture for I can't tell you how long. And so when I mentioned tonight I was there for, over at her house for dinner and uh, I mentioned to her that yeah, yeah, I'm gonna redo the bedroom. She's like, oh you getting new furniture? I'm like, yeah, okay, I'll get new furniture. So she wants my bureau. She doesn't want my bed. She wants my bureau. And, uh, it's like this kind of, Oh God, it's so, I say it's so old. I've had it for 14 years now. Um, and I just want something new. So I'm in that mood. I'm in that mood now. I, I started with the studio, like completely redoing the studio. And now it seems like I'm on a kick and I'm going room by room. Uh um, mapping out like a complete overhaul to my office, my bedroom, uh, my guest bedroom, my bathroom, my backyard. I've got a handyman coming tomorrow, starting to rip stuff up in the backyard. I'm on a kick. I'm on a kick, but you know what? There's worse things I could do with my money. So, all right. Uh, next up, we have Phil from the UK.
1: Hi, this is Phil from the UK. I just wanted to say I love the show, I love all the shows, and everyone's doing a great job. This is a message for potentially Pete on his solo show or maybe the uh, Disney Disney Disunplug edition. We're hearing lots of rumours about One Man's Dream going, being replaced, etc. And I just wanted to get the team's views on if they think that it would be a good idea for One Man's Dream to be moved to downtown Disney. I've certainly, on the last two times I've been to Disney World, I've just totally skipped One Man's Dream because I've been so um, distracted by getting to my Fast Passes and uh, Toy Story Midway Mania that I've just not had time to go into One Man's Dream. But looking at some videos on YouTube, I realise it's something that I should have done and I would have definitely enjoyed. I think having it at somewhere like Downtown Disney would give you the opportunity to go out for for some lunch and then have a leisurely stroll around and learn a a little bit more about Walt. And hopefully, if it's down at downtown Disney, it could also be a free educational thing for people to go and to look at. So, like I said, just wondering what the thoughts were from the team about this, if they think it's a good idea to go down there. And if it is, or if you think it's a good idea, where do you think it would go? Thank you. Uh, keep up the good work. And uh, I really enjoyed watching the show.
0: Well, thank you, Phil. Um, thanks for calling in. And uh, let me just, before I get to your, your question, I'm just going to say this. When I decide to start dating again, I want a Brit. Okay? I want a Brit. Because I want, I just love listening to you guys talk. I think, I think the British accent is the sexiest thing ever, personally. But I digress. One man's dream. Yes, the rumors are swirling and crazy that one man's dream is going away and some people are already starting the chest beating about it. Look, you know, I, I, I felt that way for a long time with a lot of things. When the whole thing blew up with Small World out in California when they decided to start adding some new Disney characters to it and, you know, Southern California lost its collective mind. And I was there with him. I'm like, oh my God, you can't do that. You can't change this. Is oh my this is the original. This is the one that was in the World's Fair. It was something Marty Sklar said that really struck home. It's not a museum, you know? It's not a museum. It's supposed to change. That's what Walt wanted. And he should know. He worked with Walt. Worked right next to him. And it was not what Walt wanted. Walt wanted these things to evolve and grow and change, and it's not a museum. But I know that wasn't your question, Phil. The idea of moving to downtown Disney, I think, is great. And I think your idea of going to have lunch, and I think exposing people, more people, to that exhibit, One Man's Dream, is better, is a good idea. You know, I was out, uh, I had a, a, an opportunity a few months ago when I was out in California, in San Francisco, to see the Walt Disney Family Museum. And, you know, it's incredible. It's absolutely an incredible exhibit. And while One Man's Dream is certainly not on that scale, it really does give you that feel for Walt Disney and his history and the accomplishments. And I don't think you should have to pay theme park admission to see it. And I never thought of it until you, you know, listening to your your voicemail. I think it'd be a great idea. If they're going to move it, if they if they're going to take over that space, space which I'm almost positive they're going to have to at some point. It's too valuable a space, and it just doesn't get enough people. A lot of people do what you're what you're talking about, which is they kind of blow right by it a nice respite from the heat so you get some people in there you get some people that really want to go see what it is i'm always whenever i'm in hollywood studios i always take a walk through that i love it i can't i can't get enough of it i love that stuff but i think moving it to downtown disney isn't a bad idea all right let's take another email this one is from eric in indiana a-r-i-c Uh, Just a note after the show, enjoy greatly on the annual pass and possible ticket changes. I don't have a great amount of money, and as I am retired now, but I started a trick some time ago, and maybe uh, you already know or slash understand. We are avid Disney World goers, and sometimes it's a while before we're able to go. We have a savings, like a Christmas Club uh, account, And when we can buy some tickets, even though we're not going that year, we purchase through discounts. We hold them until it is time and then use them. Still have several 10-day non-expiring park hoppers that cost me around $450 each, uh, along with some others. Sorry to say, but kind of an investment for us and feels like we're going and saving money. Uh, I get them converted to the new tickets. Uh, I got them converted to new tickets uh, last year on one of our trips. When I hear of a price increase, I count my dollars and buy before the prices go up. I'll probably do it again soon. As always, enjoy the show a great deal. I hope you never stop. Take care. Eric is a retired police officer and a college professor of law enforcement. So hats off to you, Eric, for your service. And a great idea. I mean, I know I've, I've heard other people say the same thing, that they hedge, the, hedge inflation by buying tickets in advance. And, you know, they don't start the clock doesn't start ticking on the tickets until you use them. So not a terrible idea. I also like the idea of a savings account, like a Christmas club, um, putting a little money in each week to help offset some of the costs of a vacation. Camille from Louisiana. Uh, Hello, all punch. 57 on the boards here. Question. If you are a DVC member and buy a gold annual pass and decide to go during the blackout days Can you upgrade to the premium annual pass for the price difference? They will always let you upgrade. Always. Um, But you're going to pay full price. So if you're getting the DVC pass on uh, with a discount, it's not going to matter. The price, um, the prorated price, if you've used the pass um, or depending on uh, how much time the pass has left on it, that can be prorated. That'll be prorated and applied to the purchase of a new pass. But yes, you can upgrade your pass and pay the money. You can do that with any pass. All right. I want to take, uh, one more, one more email that, uh, you know, for all the whining and bitching that we all do about Disney, it's nice to hear a nice, a good story every once in a while. This one comes from hope in Indiana it says, uh, "Dear Disney Pluggers." That's the first time I think we've been called Diz Unpluggers. Uh, I just wanted to take a moment and share an incredible story about our recent stay in Disney World's Port Orleans French Quarter Resort. Myself, along with my husband, one-year-old daughter, mother, and father traveled down from Indiana to spend an incredible week making magical memories as a family. We arrived on Saturday afternoon, and Sunday, as we were getting ready for our first day in the park, my mom became ill and needed medical attention. Since we had flown down and were taking advantage of the shuttles and buses provided by Disney, we had no way to get her to the hospital, so I called the front desk. They connected me to 911, where I was able to explain the situation. I stepped out of my parents' room to get my purse to accompany my mom to the hospital, and when I arrived, no more than five minutes later, the hotel manager was in the room checking on my mom with a security officer. The manager, Michael, informed us that Disney that Disney-owned paramedics, I didn't know that Disney owned any paramedics, would be transporting her to one of the best hospitals in the area, Celebration Hospital. Paramedics arrived shortly and transported my mom to the hospital, taking my dad with them. The manager arranged for us to take a taxi to take me to the hospital to meet my parents and gave me a voucher for my return trip. Granted, my (laughs) taxi arrived at the hospital before the ambulance, but my mom received first-rate care at Celebration Hospital. However, due to the nature of my mom's condition, she had to be transported to another hospital in downtown Orlando. <clears throat> Florida Hospital, Orlando, for emergency surgery. Uh, before she was transported, transported her original paramedic stopped by to check in on her condition. Uh, once mom was treated at Celebration and transported to downtown Orlando, I returned to the resort to pack a few items for my father such as a cell phone charger to keep us informed, his medication, and a change of clothes. Our resort was not only kind enough to allow us access to my parents' room, but they offered to have a cast member take a bag of personal belongings to my parents in downtown Orlando, which they stated would cost us a $60 cab ride each way. Not only did the cast member, David, deliver the items to the hospital, he delivered them to the surgical floor where my dad was waiting for my mother and gave my dad a voucher for a taxi cab back to the hotel if he needed additional items. My mother spent two days in CJ, I don't know what that is, followed by five days in orthopedics recovering from a staph infection that not only invaded her knee but her bloodstream. If it were not for the quick action of the paramedics and doctors that treated her, she would not be here today. While my parents did not step foot into any Disney park, they still experienced the magic and kindness of Disney cast members. While we may not want to remember this trip for the way it happened, we will never forget how the Disney cast members went above and beyond their duties to help our family in one of the most difficult situations we hope, we, we hope to ever encounter. With gratitude, Hope Rector. So, I love hearing stories like that. I'm very sorry, hope that your your mom got so sick. Um, but you know, like I said, for all the complaining we do and you know things we say about cast members and how it's not as good as it used to be, you hear a story like that, and you realize that while some things may not be exactly what they should, uh, some things are better than they ever were. so um focusing on the positive and keeping in mind that there are some good ones still at Disney world. So to the staff at the cast at Portoline's French quarter, tip of the hat to you and to all of you that will do it for this solo show. I hope you enjoyed it and I will see you again or talk to you again next time with another edition of the Pete show or whatever the hell I'm going to call this. Have a great week, everybody.